so, I'm, we're so blessed, and, and many of you will know this, um, and since I'm here and Nate's not up here, I get to do this now. Well, we have such an amazing worship leader in Nate and in the team with Faye and other people who have been singing with us. For a church as new and as small as us, to have someone with that kind of quality and that kind of just passion for worship leading is amazing. Let's give it up for Nate. Woo! I know he's just going to bounce that right back up to God, and that's true because God has given him those gifts, but we're just really blessed to have him as using those gifts for us and helping us to come into the presence of God. All right. So before we get started, just going to um, remind you, if you want to follow along with what's happening, um, it's a good idea this week. I've got a few sort of visual things happening in the Bible app as well, um, including a timeline, which is quite helpful. Also, if you want to access um, the slides that I'm going to be having up on the screen this week, there are a lot of slides. So if you want to see those, you can go onto the website to the podcast and right near, next to the podcast, right, or with it, with the podcast, there's a PDF that you can download and it just has all of the slides there. So that's something you can do later if you like. But this week we are starting a brand new series called The Story of God and Man. And I am very excited about this series. And by the way, while I'm giving props out, Whitney's not here either, but Whitney, Nate's wife, works really, really hard at getting us some really amazing visuals um, for the stuff. So every, every sort of visual thing that you see happening around is her. I'm just really lucky to be planting with these guys. And you are lucky too, because if it was just me, this would be a shambles. It would just be terrible. But anyway, so I'm really, really excited about this new series. I love this sort of series because what we are going to do is we are going to take a big picture look at the whole Bible. So my Bible passage for this series is the Bible. And we're going to look from the very beginning to the very end, even right up to today. So buckle in because it's long right now. We're going to be doing that for seven weeks. And we're just going to take a very bird's eye view and the reason I like doing that, and the reason I'm very excited about it, is because when we start looking at the big picture and we start seeing the story that flows through the Bible, we get a better picture of, of what exactly is happening. And then that context, that history that leads us up to today, helps to um, give us a picture of where we are going next and where we are supposed to be and where we fit and what's our place in the universe? And what's our place in history? Because we do have a place in history. Now, the Bible is a big book. It's got lots of stories in it. There's hundreds, thousands of stories. And they're all sort of seemingly scattered all over the place. And then you've got some poetry shoved in the middle there. And then you've got prophecies happening. And then you've got the Jesus kind of turns up and does all of these miracles and teachings and stuff. And then... We get into some letters and it gets pretty deep, heavy theology type stuff. And then you got this really weird thing at the end with Revelation and, and we got like, seems like Game of Thrones type fantasy type stuff happening at the end of the book. And it can get very, very confusing. And a lot of people are kind of turned off to the Bible. In fact, they're turned off to Christianity because it seems like this really old book that you had to read in English class. It didn't make any sense. It was really hard to read. And there was so much stuff going on that you just didn't know where you were. 
And so what I, what I want to do with this series is step back from a little bit and see that in amongst all of the stories that are happening, in amongst the thousands of years of history, there is a singular story that flows from the very beginning all through the pages of the Bible, all throughout history and to today. The story of the Bible did not finish at the end of the Bible, but is still going on today. We are in that story. And I want us to be able to see our place in that. So as we gear up towards our one-year anniversary as a church and we sort of prepare ourselves for what God is going to do next, we can see where we are in the story and where God is moving from there. And I think we're also going to see, and what I really want us to see is that weaved through this story is this theme, this powerful, unifying theme of hope. Hope is the story of the Bible. And I want to unpack that and show how this is happening. All right, so this is going to be the next seven weeks. It'll be really awesome if you come along, dig in, um, share it with us. If you do miss for any reason, um, you can get it on the podcast as well. But do keep up with what's happening because it'll be good to see how the story is playing out. So <clears throat> to help us with this, I've got a timeline up on the screen here. Uh, if Nate presses the button, which he does, very good. So this is the whole of history. In a sense. So from the very beginning right up until today, now, 2020, um, this shows where we are going to be looking at the story. So some of the episodes that we're going to do, because like every good Netflix show, it's a limited series of episodes, and we're going to go through one through seven, and some of them cover a massive period of time. Like episode one and episode seven cover nearly 2,000 years of time. And some of them only cover a moment. Episode six is like 20 minutes of, of a moment um, that happened. Um, so, but they are, it shows the story progression. So you'll see as, as, as it happens and we go through that. So every week we'll kind of refer to this and you can see where we're tracking. And it's actually really helpful, even for me when I was preparing, to see the amount of time that sort of plays out between certain events. The Bible goes this event and then this event, and there's a thousand years between the two of them, and then it goes this, this, and this, and there's only like a matter of days. So to be able to lay it out in a timeline gives us a sense of the flow and the, the pace of the story. All right, does that make sense? We all track in, we're all good. All right, so the first episode, episode one, the birth of hope. That's what we're going to be looking at first. We're going to look at the first section of the Bible um, in the book of Genesis. Um, now, if you want to have a more in-depth look at the first chunk of Genesis, we're going to look through on Genesis chapter 1 through the very beginning of chapter 12. And it covers 2,000 years of history. Um, but the way it is written, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Um, and so a lot of time can be spent on this. We're not going to be able to spend a lot of time on it just today. But if you want to dig deeper, there is a fantastic sermon series from Shaw Community Church, which some of you are a part of, um, and um, we used to be a part of as well. And Reuben Munn did this really in-depth look 
um, at just picking apart the first things. It's called Origins. So if you, um, it's on the Bible app as well, so if you go to their website, shaw.org.nz, and go to teaching and then search Origins, amazing teaching series. Some really cool stuff that I'd never thought of that he pulls out. So I recommend having a listen to that if you want a bit more in depth. As I said, we're taking a big picture view. Okay, all right, we're moving quickly today. We're going to move quickly. All right, so we begin at the beginning, the very beginning with creation. The story begins when God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, the Bible starts off very matter-of-factly, very, just state the obvious, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There you go, that's it. That's, that's what happened. And so with that begins this whole story. Now, if we pop up the next uh, timeline, I kind of zoomed in here so we can see the timeline of where we're looking at. The first thing you may notice is that I've got circa 4000 BC as the beginning. Okay, now that's the first thing that's going to raise up some flags for some people, okay? And this is where everybody puts on their armor and we're getting ready to fight over this because this is a very contentious issue. For people outside of Christianity, it is a joke that we would claim the earth is 6,000 years old. But even within Christianity, there are people who say creation happened at this time, 6,000 years old, and God created in six literal days. And other people would say, actually, maybe it took a lot longer, and the world is as old as the scientists say, and it's millions of years old, but God created through days, which are sort of epochs of time, where he created something and let it kind of mellow and change and move, and then he created something else. So creation is still happening. It's not chance, it's not evolution, but it is God creating, but creating slowly. Like he's, he creates the, the sort of tectonic movement and then lets it go and watches as it all forms. There's this really cool stuff that goes on in there. I'm not going to land on one or the other here. Um, I, you know, there's really good arguments on both sides of the coin. The key for me is that God made. And the reason that I've got circa 4000 BC is whatever sort of pathway to creation you get, whether it's long or short, the Bible sort of walks itself back to Adam and Eve being created around about 6,000 years ago. Okay, so that's where the timeline begins because that is when we start getting a lineage and we see the children that Adam has and, and so on and so forth throughout uh, the history today. So we've got genealogies that kind of point us. So this is where we're going to start. We're going to start with Adam and Eve 4,000 years ago. Now, one of the cool things that the Origin series talks about um, that where we, as people have been reading the story, in fact, this is kind of what I've just been talking about, we read the story of creation with a sort of a very modern mindset. And so we ask the question of creation, we ask when. When did it happen? And we ask of the story of creation, how? When and how did creation happen? Did he just literally speak? Did he do it literally in seven days? And we get very caught up in those sort of questions. But one of the things that that series really pulls out, and I really appreciate this, is that the story of creation is an ancient document. Okay? It is a document written thousands of years ago to an audience thousands of years ago, and that audience 
was not interested in when it happened or how it happened. That audience, and God was writing to this audience, wanted to know the question, who created and why? So this document outlines the, the story of creation, answers the question, who and why, not when and how. That was not its main point. Okay? So there are facts that are presented in that, and we can take those as facts, and we can use that to understand a little bit of the when and how, but let's not force that story to answer those questions completely. Instead, let it answer the questions it's set out to answer, who and why. So let's look at that real quick. Who created? Okay, obviously God. We've kind of established that since. You're not going to hear me say anybody else at this point. God created. But if we dig in a little bit deeper, can we find out a little bit more about who this God is? What does the story of creation tell us about who God is? I want to read a couple of verses in the story of creation when he gets to the point where he is creating human beings. It says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, meaning looking like him. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Three times you get that created thing. So he created them. All right. So what does that tell us about who God is? See, when we see God creating humanity, I don't think he is showing us a scientist creating something in his lab for the purpose of experimentation or discovery. He's not, you know, some person who's looking to create something so we can have power over it. This picture of God, he, look at this. He's making someone look like him and he's giving him an inheritance. This is a picture of a father. Someone who wants kids. Kids to love, to share with, and to love him back. That's the picture of God that we get in creation. He is a father. And then we ask the question, why? Why did God create the earth? In Genesis chapter 2, <clears throat> the sort of second telling of the, the story of um, the creation of man, um, we read this in verse 8. Then the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees growing up from the ground, trees that were, <coughs> excuse me, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We'll get to those in a little bit. But do you see that he is creating this beautiful place to put his kids? He's making a home. He's making a home for his children so that he and his children can live together in that space. That's what the story creation tells us about why it was created. It was created to be a home to where God and man can share life together. Yeah? So this is very, very important. It helps us to understand the motivation that God has. It is not to rule or dominate, although he does rule and he can dominate but it is to share himself with his created beings, for him to love them and for them to love him back. So that connection, that family connection 
sits at the very core, the very foundation of the entire story of the Bible. And we need to get that. We need to understand that when God starts telling the world about what he did, he starts by saying he made a family. And then, interestingly enough, the first thing he did with his people is he made them a family. So this concept of family, this concept of connection is pivotal and foundational to the entire story of the Bible. And it plays out as we go along. Okay? Yes? Good? Yes, Faye's good. All right. Because very, very quickly, things take a left turn. Uh, So Adam and Eve are given one instruction. Don't eat from that one tree in the middle of the garden. Notice it wasn't the tree of life. They were fine to eat from the tree of life, have eternal life. They would live, live forever. Just don't eat from the tree of good and evil. Spoiler alert, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 6, very simply, verse 6. Nate, wake up. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her useless husband who was with her, and he ate it too. No one gets off the hook on that one. So let me ask you this. What do you think is the big deal here? I mean, how precious was this fruit? Was it endangered fruit? Was it like this one tree and this type of fruit, and once it's gone, it's gone forever? Is this, is, is this an eco-problem that God is having with them? What do you think? What do you think the issue was with them eating the fruit? Okay. Don't take it literally. What do you mean? Okay. Yep. So just for the sake of people listening on the podcast that can hear what you've just said, um, you're saying that it's, it's not about, it's not taken literally in the sense of the eating of the fruit, but it's more about the disobedience. It's more about the fact that God gave them all of this to play in, and he said, don't touch that, and they did. I, th- I think you are absolutely right. I think it's not about fruit at all. In fact, if God was so concerned about that particular tree being eaten, he could very easily have moved it somewhere else, or I don't know, not made the tree in the first place. Same goes for the serpent that sort of convinces Eve and Adam to eat the tree. You could put that one anywhere, like Chatham Islands, okay? He's not getting anywhere. He's not going to hurt anybody. You know, there's like at that point no one there. Just put the serpent there. No, 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 no. He wants the serpent in the garden. This is all very intentional. This is all part of God's plan because he wants kids who love him and he wants kids to trust him. He wants kids who are going to acknowledge he is in charge. And that's what it boils down to, doesn't it? He is saying, I'm giving you this instruction. I want to see if you trust me more than you trust the other voices in your head and more than you trust what you want. He's noticed the wording of what Eve did. And again, Adam with her. It looked good. It was desirable. She wanted it. And he wanted it too. And they were to, had a decision about this thing that is right or wrong, but I want to do wrong. So do I trust God and follow him? Or do I trust me? Who's in charge? 
That's the question. And that is a question that comes down every sin at every point in history from, in, from that point to now. Boils down to the question, who's in charge? Who makes the decisions in your life? God or you? And that's why it doesn't, it's not as important. There is important what we do and, and the consequences of what we do. But this is why there are seemingly simple things that God has asked us not to do that don't seem like that big a deal. But it's a big deal to him because he wants to know who's in charge. Yeah? And we chose poorly. We wanted to be in charge. And so there are consequences for this. Consequences followed on from this event. And we can see this. I'm not going to read all of these passages. But in this next section, in verse 16 and 17, you can see there's a few things that start to get painful. Pregnancy and giving birth. Um, The marriage relationship will turn ugly. And there will be control and ruling and, and desire to control. And then there's work becomes horrible. Do you you notice the things that he picked out there? These are the things that he gave to humanity in the beginning as good things. He gave them a marriage relationship. He told them to go multiply. He gave them the gift of parenthood. Gave them the gift of tending and working for the garden. Now those good things have been tainted which is symbolic perhaps of just life itself has become tainted because of our decision. And then verse 9, he kind of digs a bit deeper and he says, now you're going to die. Now you cannot live forever. Death is introduced. And then worst of all in verse 23, mankind has now been banished from the Garden of Eden. I've been sent away, symbolically sent away from God. They no longer have that connection that God wanted for them at the very beginning. They're no longer part of the family. And that boils down to separation and hopelessness. Hopelessness now because their future is murky. Hopelessness now because their security is is gone now danger will befall them they no longer are covered by the safety and sanctity of the garden of eden now they're out in the world and it's hard out there and you know what there is nothing more viral and dangerous and powerfully destructive in this world than hopelessness Long before COVID-19, long before any swine flu or bird flu or other animal flus. Man, we've got to get some better health care for these animals. Long before any diseases, long before we had any of these issues, on these shores and on the shores of every country and continent of this world, hopelessness ran like a pandemic through our society. And it does. People have no hope. They are no longer under this protection and the safety of who God is. And so every difficulty, every danger in life could take them down. And there's no hope for their future. It is why we have rampant uh, mental health problems, depression, suicide, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. All of these things stem from a sense of hopelessness. 
It is the biggest and worst product of the fall. And then things just kind of get worse from there. As you might expect, there's an escalation of the things that go wrong. Right after the fall, Adam's son kills his brother. Cain kills Abel. Um, jealousy coming through. And then you have this thousand-year escalation, which again, I didn't realize there was a thousand years between the murder of Cain and Abel and the flood. But it's, it's only a chapter or so. But during that time, we became so caught up in the, our destructive patterns of behavior, our destructive thoughts, and we became so horrible to each other that yeah, the Bible says God grieved. The word is regret. It's not a he was surprised, but just the sense of oh, humanity is so horrible. And he decides to hit the reset button. And he just wipes out the world except for Noah. Starts over with Noah and his family, a new Adam and Eve. And the correlation between that and creation is very, very strong. But that doesn't last long either. And soon after that, we're at a tower. And the people are building the Tower of Babel, which is a big problem. And not because they don't have a labor union and they're not putting in their building consents properly, but because they had this intention to take over God. They wanted to become like God. So you can see this escalation. It's First, it's a choice that I want to follow my own way instead of God's way. And then it's a, I want... I'm letting my emotions get so in control of me that I'm willing to take another person's life to now I'm going after God's throne. So this escalation and humanity has just gone to this point of such brokenness. And so God scatters them across the world. He doesn't want them scheming together like this, which is where we get all of our languages and all of our different religions come from the scattering and 2,000 years after, after Adam and Eve. So in the first 2,000 years, we've got this like shambles of humanity. Humanity is filled with hopelessness and, and we've lost our family connection to God. We've lost our community with each other. That singular community is now gone. And we've lost so much, but consider what God has lost as well. Consider that through this process, God has lost his kids. He no longer has his family together. And this, this really cuts deep to a lot of us who are parents, who have kids, and we, we worry so hard about our kids and we want them to stay close. and We want them to stay safe, but God, his kids are not safe. His kids are out in the world. His kids have turned their back on him. They don't want his help. They're killing each other. They're hurting each other. And their future is dire. It's hopeless. And God is thoroughly, thoroughly finds this un unacceptable. He's like, no, this is not the story of my kids. This is not how it's going to go. Of course, he knew all of this and he made this decision long before any of this happened, but helps for us to play it out this way. And so God puts a plan in place, and God brings a promise. Out of the darkness and the brokenness of scattered humanity, there's people all over the place. No one's doing very well. God calls out to an old farmer, man living 
somewhere near the border of modern-day Turkey and Syria, which you can kind of see up on the map there, a place called Haran. He had moved from Iraq right down there near the Gulf there, near Basra, is where he used to live. He moved up to Haran, and God calls to him. And he says, Abraham, i got a plan. This is what he says. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. He says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of earth will be blessed through you. Now, there's a couple of really important things to see here because this is the turning point. This is the, what uh, storytellers call the inciting incident, the thing that sets the story on its path. But what's really interesting is what God tells Abraham really at the beginning there. He says, leave your country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family. He's pulling him away from his father, away from his heritage, and he is becoming his father and his heritage. Yeah? Does that sound familiar? This is what God did for Adam. And he says, I'm going to place you in a new nation. I'm going to put you in a home. So God is recreating the concept of creation. He is building a new family and a new home where he can reconnect and he can start to bridge that gap between God and man again. And then in verse 3, the other thing we see is that all of the families on earth will be blessed. So God is not, he's not satisfied with just starting a new family. He's not given up on his old family. He wants to reconnect everybody. He has created a path back to God, something we could never do ourselves. The thing that he has done here is out of hopelessness, God has created hope. This is where hope is born. This is the moment where we see hope rise. And now humanity has a future. We have a hope for a secure future. So what do we take from this story? What does this show us about hope? I hope we can see that even when we mess up, even when we walk out on God, when we make our mistakes, when we rebel against God, He is completely unsatisfied with leaving us out in the cold. He's unsatisfied with just leaving us and dealing with our own mistakes. And He wants to come chase us down. He wants to provide a path back to us. He wants hope for us. And he wants that hope for everybody on this planet. He wants a big family. And he wants to get that family back again. That is what hope is. That is the hope that we are going to track through this series. And that is the hope 
that we are going to unleash on the community around us when we get into our second year of existence. This hope is not just for us. It is for us, but it is for everyone. And there are people in this world who face a future of hopelessness. They face a present of hopelessness. And we have the answer to that. We have the solution. We know the Father that is going to go chase them down, that is going to break down any barrier, kick down any wall, and come find them. God is a God of hope. 